Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Joe Chung from As the Joe Flies and Disney Deciphered, travel agent extraordinaire. We were just talking about how busy you are and what a great job you're doing for all your clients. And uh, just a reminder that uh, Joe is the best travel agent I know. Thanks, man. That means a lot. How are you doing? It's uh, definitely fall weather here, finally. I don't know what uh, Las Vegas fall weather is like. Nice? I assume it's like very nice and pleasant. It can be. It can also be warm. Like last week, we were in the 80s during the day and 60s, high 50s at night, which is great. This week, we're back in the mid-90s during the day, but we still get those 60s at night. So it's a whole different experience to the summer. It's not too bad at all. That's good. I have given up on the NFL season. I feel like the Denver... I'm currently... As you are talking, watching uh, the Dolphins make six Denver Broncos fall down, and that's how I feel about the Jets season. And the fact that the Dolphins are doing that and another AFC East team, it's just its just brutal, man. It's, it's brutal to have given up in September already. But I saw a big Packers comeback, so congrats to you guys. Yeah, comeback of the week. And going for two when you're down by eight, that was a definitely a bold move by our coach. But yeah, you said the Dolphins, they put up 70 points on the Broncos. That's insane. It hasn't happened in what, 60, 70 years. And they had a chance to what tie the record for set of 73 points in a game, but they did the right thing and, you know, just took a knee instead of kicking a field goal. So that's good sportsmanship. Yes. But what about the extra 30 points, you know, to skip the last three. So yeah, you know, it's funny. Like I, I just found out that there are I guess if in our like travel town kids soccer leagues during the fall, they don't like no one totally knows how good everyone's teams are. So they kind of just like guess what divisions to put teams in. And I just found out that like if you kill another team, uh, you get like reprimanded for it or like you get a stern talking to and that like they expect people to they expect teams to like take players off the field and play you know, seven on six or nine on eight or whatever, if they're winning by too much. So I found that pretty interesting. Yeah, I get it. Like on one level with young kids that you want everybody to play. And I coached uh, my son's baseball. I coached his football. And in football, they were so competitive. It was insane. And uh, so I kind of see why you have those rules because people don't care. And, you know, you don't want kids feeling bad. And there's some coaches who don't want to play like the worst players, which stinks, especially when you're up. So I get why those rules exist. But some teams are just so good and so like deep that even if you pull the starters and put the backups, they're going to crush the other team. My nephew plays uh, baseball, went to a game last year. They weren't very good, and they lost like 20 to 2 or something like that. And it's baseball. How are you going to stop them from hitting home runs and stuff? So, you know, there's some balance there. I think as they get older, being more competitive is important as they learn their skills into high school and college, obviously. Yeah, and especially with baseball, I mean, I should – say that i don't really think the dolphins were being unsportsmanlike scoring 70 points they are professionals they get paid like the broncos players are cashing paychecks regardless of what happened in that game i'm like of the mind that like they shouldn't even keep score in soccer until maybe u10 at the earliest like i i think i've talked about it on this podcast like i hate how people keep score in kindergarten soccer where it's just like the biggest kid and people who know me know I'm a soccer nerd. But like, if the biggest kid is just scoring goals for you, like your team didn't win, and those kids aren't getting better at playing soccer, it's just like the biggest kid. You know, I think basketball is like this as well too at the younger ages. Baseball, you know, you're still learning. You still have to learn how to hit 
a tiny ball with a small stick at any age. So you know, no matter what happens, you're kind of learning. But football probably too. Like the biggest kids at the younger ages, they're just going to bulldoze everyone. And so keeping score and just letting the biggest kid win, that doesn't – I don't think that really helps development of anyone. And that's why the U.S. sucks at soccer. I don't know. I mean it's youth sports and parents and the, the experience I had coaching football – uh, I was basically the offensive line coach, only doing it because my son was on the team. So the other coaches were like professional coaches. They all had kids, but they coached for 10, 15, 20 years youth football, and it's very serious stuff. And I don't think it provides a good atmosphere for children. But on the flip side, I think we're kind of, I don't know, are we babying our children too much by not giving them disappointment at certain ages? My daughter just auditioned for the Disney musical at her school and didn't get it. And she had that first lesson of life where, you know, you don't always get what you want. And, you know, it can be tough. And she was sad and, you know, we worked through it. But it's also a good lesson to learn and not one that we should always shield our kids from. And it's just the same with sports, getting beat by like, you know, five touchdowns in football or, you know, 10 goals in soccer. It hurts, but it's life, right? You're going to get beat in some ways in life that way. And I think it's a good, you know, comparison to travel. Travel also sort of opens their mind up to different realities than the ones that they always want to see or be. You know, there's, they're going to be uncomfortable at times. They're going to be tired. And I feel like that makes a more well, well-rounded person in the end. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm not one for uh, participation trophies. And I just like, of course, youth sports in America, it's all tied up in money too. And that's why you know, things are such a mess. Last thing, last random thing to talk about, Sean, <laughs> this whole Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift thing, it is just too funny. It's like just too amusing. But, you know, stupid Twitter, like I get so many Taylor Swift tweets now just because I clicked on a few Chiefs tweets because of the whole Kelsey thing because I thought it was so funny. But, you know, it's going to be really interesting. He better, like, I, I was I was joking but he better not be like a jerk to her or break her heart or something in like some rude like cheat on her or anything like that because Kansas City Chiefs about to be I mean people already don't like them cuz they're winning and stuff right but if you get the Swifties against you like Kansas City Chiefs you know they're going to be in the mud fandom wise you're playing with fire with those Swifties that's for sure uh you don't want to mess with the the Swifties at all uh, but I think the Chiefs will do okay, you know. And he caught it. He caught his touchdown yesterday with her in the house. Patrick Mahomes made it happen. So all, all is good in Chiefs land for now, dude. Even Bill Belichick was asked about it, and I saw. Did you did, did you see that his quote? No. He Bill Belichick apparently the rumor is that Bill Belichick is actually a, a little bit of a Swifty himself, which is just hilarious to think about. But he said Travis Kelsey is made a lot of big catches in his time. And if he's really with Taylor Swift, this would be the biggest. He said that on the radio. Bill Belichick. <laughs> who knew? Actually, people say he's really funny. People who don't yeah. hate him, like me. Yeah, he's always very serious. But you can tell people that, like that often have very good sense of humors and they just understand how to tamp it down. And yeah, it was good to good to hear that. I didn't see that. I'm not as much on the Swifty Twitter as you are. I'm you know, I don't go to yeah, the. I, think I don't let came, the algorithm think, serve stuff to me. I I just go yeah. to the people I'm following. Yeah, that came to me because of you know I have to follow my enemies and I pay attention to the Patriots. So yeah, all right, let's talk about travel. Yeah. So before we get into it, I wanted to talk about the Chicago seminars. They released their 
schedule. This is the original Chicago seminars at the Holiday Inn. They released their schedule for speakers. And obviously, I've talked that I'm going to speak before. Uh, I'm speaking twice. So I'll be speaking on cruise hacking and then on reselling in buyers clubs. So everything you need to know about, you know, how to be safe, how to set that up, the different options for buyers groups, some of the pitfalls that we've talked about here, and maybe some that I haven't talked about publicly. So all of that will be there. And then cruise hacking, that'll be the casino offers, how to get free cruises, spend on cruise ships, all that good stuff. So hopefully you will come. The code miles to memories, I think still works for $15 off if you haven't registered. So uh, there's no spaces, just miles to memories. And uh, you can hopefully save $15 off and see you guys there. A great list of speakers and topics, by the way, you can go to chicagoseminars.org and the, you know, the actual, the schedule of exact times isn't there, but every presentation title, speaker, everything is there. And a great selection of people. They have most people are only speaking once because there's so many good speakers there. And I think that's great because you're getting a great variety of different voices and people that you may not have seen at other events. So I'm the the organizers have done a great job putting this together so far. So if you are interested, I think it's the weekend of what October 13th, 14th in there and everything at chicagoseminars.org and code miles to memories for your $15 off. I don't get anything for that, by the way. That's just, they gave every speaker a code, so you might as well use it and save some money. So this week, so last week, DDG wrote about this targeted offer on the Blue Business Plus card. And, you know, I haven't applied for a ton of cards lately, but we're getting into Q4, and I have a lot of spending coming up. And there's a couple of things that are unique to Q4. First off, I run out of money every single year. And just so you know, my business money is separate from my personal money. Uh, because of taxes and everything. So it's not like I can just transfer money from my bank account. That creates a series of paperwork that's a big hassle, gets my accountant mad at me. So uh, what I've tried to focus on the last few years is 0% APR offers. And there's just a point where you don't have all the money from your sales and you're buying a lot of stuff because there's a lot of deals. And you know there's just a point where you sometimes run out of money and having a 0% APR offer is a good thing So I picked up the Blue Business Plus, but also because it has the best ever 75K bonus. And that's on a no annual fee card that earns 2X everywhere. So it's a card I'm happy to use for buying and to obviously get that bonus after 15K spend. And then, you know, I can I can know that everything I put on that card for my buying for this fourth quarter is not due really until next year. And I'll probably pay it off by the end of the year is usually when it happens. But uh, good move there. And I already had a Blue Business Plus, and I was too lazy to cancel it before I applied for this one. But I had a slot, so I did that, and now I'll just cancel the old one. Uh, they gave me a low credit limit, but I just – online, you can transfer all your credit limit over if you didn't know that. Uh, there's a link. I'll try to find it and give it to Joe so we can put it in the description. But you can just go into your account and switch credit limits online without any issue. So I transferred almost the entire credit limit from my old Blue Business Plus to the new one. I'll cancel that, and then I'll get another card eventually, but it's a good way to set up the uh, fourth quarter. And for people who have those needs for 0% on your business cards, I think it's a good way to go. And 75K again on a no annual fee card, hard to beat that. Uh, a couple of things that I would like to talk about. Let's stick with the card first, because some of it is just business related. I was looking at the comments on the article and there were some questions you know, about people were trying to log in and said this law offer is no longer available. And someone else said they logged in twice and they saw different 
terms off the direct link. There's the direct link in the article that DDG wrote, and we'll put it in the show notes as well. I, I have it, Sean, so you don't got to give it to me. So I will say that I clicked on it and I saw a 75,000 points after you spend $15,000 in 12 months. But Anna in the comments said she also saw it like in three months. And obviously that is pretty different, right? Having 12 months to spend the 15,000 or three months. I would just remind everyone that Amex can be weird sometimes. Like, are you logged in? Are there cookies in your browser? You know, so with Amex, like always try the link multiple times in multiple ways until you get the offer that you want and that you're looking for and screenshot that because, you know, I, I like, I wonder, you know, while you're talking, Sean, I'm going to try a different browser. Maybe it'll give me a different offer because sometimes it's tricky. And then also, you know, if you see the link in a different place, it might not be the exact same link and that might give you a different offer as well. So it's always kind of something to pay attention to. Yeah, it's a good point, Joe. And this is targeted offer. So I should have said that up front. Although I didn't have it targeted on any of my accounts. Like I, when I logged in, I didn't see it anywhere. So that's what the direct link comes from. So you do have to log in. I haven't seen the three month version of that, just the 12 months. And even at three months, it wouldn't have been an issue for me. But it's always a good reminder to pay attention to what you're applying to. Even if somebody says this is a direct link, make sure that the offer matches it. And then as a security blanket for yourself, you can always chat with American Express and get them to give you the terms and the date that you have to spend by and all of that. It's always a good idea to try to do that so you're on the same page and you kind of know everything for your records. So what you'll do is click the direct link, log into your account, and it'll tell you if you're targeted or not. In my case, uh, my wife wasn't. I was. What was really nice is it's a business I already have with American Express, so they pre-fill all the information. It took about 30 seconds, and it was an instant approval. I do also have some American Express Business Platinum 150K offers, and I know there's, what, 170K out there that some people are getting, maybe even more lately. So I'm debating whether to do that as well. I'm just sort of burned out on the Business Platinums and trying to justify all the, the fees and offsetting them with stuff. 150K, obviously, worth doing. I probably will pick up another one. Uh, usually it's 15K spend, and just because I do have the spend, but I'm done sort of chasing these offers, I think, where I don't have clear spend coming up. Even, you know, if I, I don't want to have to go out and try to figure out ways to spend for them. So, but I also don't want to waste all the spend I have coming up. So I'll probably do a significant number of applications, which is always a good time, right? When you know you have a lot of spend, get the applications because you're going to get a much better multiplier than just daily spend, even on cards with high bonus categories by, you know, utilizing that spend towards welcome offers. So always a good time to do that. And that's sort of where my mind is. This was the first step get the 0% offer, 75K, I'll move on. So I don't want to spend, hopefully I won't run short on money because I'm buying less this year than in the past and not growing the business as much. So I'll probably try to just stick to the 15K spend and then utilize the rest of the spend on other cards unless I need the extra bandwidth on this one. Yeah, and that kind of leads into what I was going to ask about or mention. Originally, I was going to ask like whether the charges that you make, like if you don't pay them off since it's 0% APR, does that count for your 2023 fiscal year or your 2024 fiscal year? But we don't give tax advice. I just want to point out that if you are getting heavily into reselling or even reselling gift cards at cost or whatever, like it's really important to either know the tax code yourself or work with an accountant because I know there's different accounting methods, right? There's an accounting method where it's just like everything you spend in 2023 like goes in 2023. But then if you sell it in 2024, 
like you take the profit or whatever in 2024. So it's really important to know, like you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's when it comes to the taxes and things like that. My original question is moot. It doesn't really matter. But what does matter is that you kind of know. And that also goes for like tax deductions as well. If you're like buying equipment for your business or whatever, you really need to make sure you know what fiscal year things are supposed to go into so that you account for that correctly with the IRS. This is all in my mind because I submitted my 2022 taxes last week. Even though I had them for like a month, I it, that's how long it took me to get to the post office. You're on the extension wagon like me. Obviously, corporate taxes due middle of September and then personal by middle of October if you file an extension. Totally worth working with an accountant unless you're one yourself. And it's important too because there's commingling of funds. There's a lot of different things that uh, you really shouldn't be doing. And so it's important to kind of set it all up ahead of time and definitely know, you know, what is going on with how you're accounting for your profits and losses. That's for sure a, a good thing. I did want to say, you know, there are a lot of people, I think, in this hobby that are not setting this up as a business that are doing buyers clubs and other things. And I think that in general, you're probably opening yourself up to some stuff. As Joe said, this is not financial advice at all. But if you're buying and selling things, even if you're breaking even, there needs to be some sort of accounting for that. And, you know, the other side of this is that any payments over $600 you receive are going to be 1099. Now, I don't know what buyers clubs are doing or how they're working with that, but just remember with PayPal or anything you do, it used to be 20,000 or a, was it 100 transaction or I don't forget what the number of transactions was uh, to get you a 1099. Now it's just $600 in payments. So, a lot of you will be receiving 1099s even for like I just cashed out a bunch of portals yesterday that I hadn't done in a while and, you know, I always take payment via PayPal. And I did again, and then afterwards I thought, oh crap, I probably have hit my $600 on PayPal. Now I'm gonna get a 1099, now I gotta account for that, even though it's all rebates on purchases and non-taxable stuff, according to my understanding, it just creates more of a hassle. So it's better to be you know, proactive with your organization for sure. Totally agree. I have, you know, the 1099s, like you should be reporting that anyway, is, but you know, regardless, Getting the 1099 makes it just a little bit more annoying. I will say that our we are not giving it financial advice, except for the fact that you should go get financial advice from people who know how to advise. Get an accountant, you know, get someone to help you with your taxes if you get to the level where, you know, it's not just simple. You know, if you're selling like two thousand dollars of gift cards, reselling them, or, you know, even ten thousand, like you can probably figure that out yourself. But like when it gets to a certain point, you know, my breaking point was when being a travel agent was like complicated enough. Like I was still doing my own taxes when I was only doing like gift card reselling and um, small, very small buyers clubs things. Even then I didn't feel like totally comfortable, but I was like, I don't feel like doing that myself. But then once I had a second job, I was like, forget it. You know, I have business deductions and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm just going to hire someone to do it. And just the peace of mind to, you know, especially when you're like making, like, you know, you have a reselling business, right? You're making money from that, like real money. You're not just doing it for the points. The points are an ancillary benefit. It's well worth the money to have someone help you figure it out so that you don't screw up. Because the, the last thing I would want is to deal with being audited and not having any idea what I'm doing. Yeah. And there's other ways that accountants can save you money too, right? By structuring your businesses in certain ways that are more tax favorable, especially if you're doing sole proprietorship, sometimes doing corporations can be beneficial and it can save you on taxes too. So 
Uh, it, uh, it definitely worth uh, getting an accountant or at least talking to someone and having them look at your scenario. They might tell you that you don't need to do that. And one last thing you mentioned, ticket reselling. I think this is what's going to hit a lot of people. Uh, it's those 1099s because a lot of people just sell tickets. You buy a, tickets to a show you're not going to go to. You go to StubHub and you flip them because you weren't doing that. Or a lot of people just did it with Taylor Swift or you know big events and stuff like that. Just remember that $600 rule applies uh, to StubHub and all of Ticketmaster and everything else now. So even if you just flipped a pair of concert tickets that were expensive or something, you may have to account to the IRS for that because you'll get a 1099. And uh, as you said, you were supposed to report that in the past as well. I obviously run everything through my business, so it all gets reported. But I know a lot of people probably, especially just flipping concert tickets, right? They're probably not doing that unless they're doing it on a high level. So there is a increased level of, I guess, surveillance, you'll say, on that type of stuff. So prior proper planning prevents piss poor performance, right? Or did I did I say that right Good or job. wrong? That's no, a really no, old reference, right? Poor piss yes, performance. A, Darn it, I meant to like say a, it wrong, Joe. Yeah, that's a that's a first that, year Miles to Memories podcast reference. And I feel like I blew it. Should have should have saved Taylor Swift to this point. It would have been perfect to insert into this section. And you know what? Like I like I said, I'm not scared of 1099s, but I think I'm gonna get 1099 from Ticketmaster this year because I bought messy tickets in Charlotte. And if you have messy tickets in Charlotte, I will just point out that that's the last game of the season, and also there is a chance that he'll go off on international duty that weekend. So I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna be greedy. I'm just gonna sell them for like. Oh well, originally I was like hoping to go, but that became like just not realistic, and so I'm like. Let me just sell them for like $50 profit each, you know, but four tickets with $50 profit each, like I, PayPal, or excuse me, Ticketmaster sent me more than $600. So free 1099 from them. So, you know, just even for one game, like I didn't plan to resell tickets at all this year. I bought tickets planning to go, but then had to resell them. Now I'm getting a 1099, just things to pay attention to. Yeah. And I think that's going to happen to a lot of people. Obviously, people in this hobby do bigger amounts sometimes, but there's just people who are flipping tickets that they just decide not to go to the event, and they're going to be surprised with the 1099 at the end of the year. And it's better just to be aware of it and to have everything accounted for so you're not scrambling. Although, if you're only selling one set of tickets, I guess it's probably not too hard to do the accounting on that you know, for, for tax purposes. So while I said the Blue Business Plus at 75 k for a no-annual fee card was uh, a great deal, and it is, Chase brought back uh, their no annual fee 90k offers on the ink uh, on the ink cash and ink unlimited cards, and uh, that's going to be nine hundred dollars or ninety thousand ultimate rewards if you have a premium card. After six thousand in purchases in three months, so a lesser spending requirement. These are good cards. Obviously, five twenty four harder to get, but you can get them you know multiple times depending on which business and how you're all set up. And it's hard to argue with that. You know, between these two offers, it just reminds you, a few years ago, you would never see offers this crazy on no annual fee cards. I remember when the ink cards went up to $500 for the first time, the no annual fee ones, or 50,000 points, and we all freaked out. Now we're at 90K, and this isn't the first time we've seen this offer. They're just bringing it back. But it's hard to argue against this. If you're eligible, you can get one under 524. You have a business. Keep in mind, Chase is a little bit more stringent than, let's say, American Express on verifying business stuff. So sometimes they make you send in stuff. Their reconsideration is tougher on their business cards. But if you can get approved for this, uh, you're good to go. This also has 0% intro APR for 12 months. So another great option there if you're in that business as well. 
So I'm like clicking where I think it is. Yeah, you beat me to it. I was going to say this, another 0% APR card for you, Sean. So yeah, I really like this. I mean, back in the day when $500 was like the the big bonus for these cards, you know, we would pair them with whatever ultimate rewards earning card and transfer them. And so I think this is a great deal. Remember those, you know, and the other nice thing is remember there was that one in card or maybe two in cards where they were like, you're not going to be able to transfer this to ultimate rewards. Like you have to take it as cash. And so it's great that like, these are not uh, falling into that category. I mean, that felt like a one-off attempt by chase. Cause we didn't see that ever happen again. Yeah, they made it more complicated, and now it's just very simple. And I mean, it's still a little complicated, right? And they don't advertise it in that way because it's just cash back unless you have, you know, a Sapphire Preferred, Sapphire Reserve, or one of the premium ink cards. But I think most people do, and this is a great deal. I do plan on actually applying for one of these. I just did the Amex thing, one, because I knew I was probably going to get an instant approval. Uh, Their reconsideration is a little easier, and they give you an instant card number, which I decided I needed just to start using it. But I do plan on picking one of these up for my wife, who I believe is under 524 and eligible for them, and probably the ink cash. Although I I don't need to debate on on that because I already have several other ink caches. So maybe also the Ink Unlimited, not sure. But we do have links for both if you want to support this site or you just want to support your favorite blogger, social media person, and it's not us. The public offers are available through affiliate links. So, you know, it's always a good time to support when you're getting the best possible offer. The MX Blue Business Plus we talked about earlier, that's just a targeted offer. We have a link, but it's not anything for us. It's just to give you guys a link to get the offer in case you haven't seen it on your account. So let's move on from credit cards, Joe, and we can talk Global Entry. They're launching a new app, and I wanted to talk about this because I don't think Global Entry needs an app. Just, I know Mobile Passport Control's been around for a few years. You gotta download the app, put your information in, and that's for people who don't have Global Entry. And the old version of the Global Entry kiosks didn't work very well. Uh, It was sort of doing fake facial recognition, and you you had to answer all the questions and everything. Now you don't have to do any of that. Have you been to one of the new global entry kiosks? I just did one in Vancouver two weeks ago, and I've done it several times this year. The facial recognition, I think they're using Clear's technology, or it works very similar to Clear, instantly recognizes you. It's like a 10-second process, and there's no paper that prints out anymore. The officer just compares your picture to the thing that you've been approved, and you walk right through. I don't know that you need to download an app to make that any better. They've really made the experience pretty good. Yes, I think this is going to become a recurring bit. We literally talked about how I used the global entry like a month ago or so, or coming back from New Zealand. But I talked about how I hadn't been through it for a few years. And I was like, wow, this is so seamless now. Like, because for me, I had previously had to use my fingerprints and things like that. And like, that's all gone. And it's all, I, I think I said the one problem was I had to hold the five year old up to like actually be seen by the camera. So yeah, I really don't like the app feels like overkill. It did really feel like the kiosks were good. And it's not like, I mean, obviously I only had two data points, but I, there was not like a huge line or anything and it moves fairly quickly, I think. So this feels like overkill. It does feel like, do they just want us to like have an app so they can like track us better type situation, you know? And so that being said, I feel like global entry is definitely worth it and i'm just gonna have to stick with it although non-global entry has gotten faster too just because of all this technology yeah and in canada that going into canada they had the same thing so more countries are doing this as well making it quicker to go through immigration which is always a good thing and yeah i don't 
and this is a recurring bit where I forget that we talked about certain things. But, you know, the app is new, so that's why we're talking about it. But I do remember yes, you talking talk about, about holding your daughter up. Yeah, yeah. We talked about that. I did it, though. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time, Sean. You know, got to do no, it. No, it's it's a known, it's a known thing. I remember it once we, once you brought it up. But anyway, I don't think the need for it. You got to take a selfie. You got to put your information. in. It just seems like too much when the kiosks are so good. Maybe they do need to uh, get a camera that adjusts down or something for kids. But other than that, I'm really impressed with the technology and how well it works. And uh, no need for anything. And they have tons of kiosks now. I've noticed too. Some places only had three or four before. This new round of kiosks, it seems like they ordered a ton more. And I don't know. Either way, going through immigration is better than ever, which is not something I ever thought I would say. But it's a good experience, dare I say, which means next time I go through, something's going to happen, of course. But crossing my fingers, knocking on wood. For sure, for sure. So Benji had a fun article this week, 10 words that points in travel has ruined for me. And I thought we'd go through it because it is fun and in a part... It sort of makes fun of the hobby a little bit, but also it has some good insight and stuff. And he starts off with the word free. And that's a word that's thrown around a lot in this hobby, free. And then there's those of us who put quote unquote free. You even had, you know, Drew back in the day, travel is free. And we do sort of, I don't know, think about things in terms of free sometimes. I think generally our sort of philosophy has been to look at things as not free and account for our time and effort and everything else. But this is a word that's thrown around so much in this hobby, especially on social media these days. If you go to Instagram and TikTok, free, 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 free. Yes. So Benji said, and this I typically agree with him, he said that he uses it always in quotation marks because it indicates that it feels free. But, you know, it's not actually free. I did really appreciate, you know, this is Benji, like old man yelling at cloud situation. Um, he, <laughs> he ends the free section by saying, many use free for brevity, but often create the opposite. In those instances, a participant pulls an emergency break and derails the conversation into a self-indulgent reflection on the meaning of free. Okay, dude, we get it. You know what's not free? All the time I'm losing listening to you lecture me on free. So... Don't don't discuss what free actually means to Benji because he will not be happy no matter uh, what he looks like on his face. But yeah, I think using free in quotes, that works well for me. Other things not to do with Benji are bring your luggage to breakfast and use the word amazing, which I felt very targeted by this because I edit a lot of my own videos. I've edited everything we do on YouTube. Occasionally I edit this show. Most of the time Joe edits the show. But I do know that I overuse the word amazing. And sometimes I'll use it two times in back-to-back sentences, and it's something I've tried to go away from, but I see it happen all the time. And it's a word I like, admittedly. I like the word amazing, but it is overused these days. And maybe in this hobby it is as well, you know, amazing business class, amazing this. But I think it's just in general in our lexicon, I think we're overusing that word. I'm just cracking up because he like calls out, he doesn't call it by name, but he calls out a post that had amazing in the title and uses it a couple times. And I'm like, is he calling out Sean's post? That would be hilarious. He's not. Well, I don't think he was, but the fact that you had that, that, no, that thought you means you listen you to, to Yeah. Cause you, you said you like to write about it. I mean, I like the word amazing and it's like one of my favorite music videos of all time. Nineties reference, Alicia Silverstone. So, you know, like deal with it. Benji. Amazing is a great word. I also like the word uplift. He doesn't like it. 
Well, I guess he says he's fine with it when it's used as a verb, but uh, he doesn't like it when it's used as a noun. Like, come on, dude, this is not grammar school. Okay. Uplift is fine. Benji doesn't even listen to the podcast anyway. So, you know, that's what I don't appreciate. Benji, 10 things. I, I think don't he appreciate. does sometimes. So I, I think he does. So he's going to make references sometimes and he doesn't get it. So, um, well, we'll see. This is a big test. If he listens, he'll, he'll let yeah, us know. And he says he'd rather say extra value. This is like my problem with Benji's article. He says 10 words. The next one is ultimate guide. That's two words. So it's definitely more than 10 total. Benji, I am. I love to be pedantic. Okay. And so the next one, ultimate guide, and I don't actually have a problem with this one either because, well, I have a problem when it says ultimate guide and no one has ever updated it and it's still ranking high on Google. I do. I do have a problem with that. But if it's a fresh ultimate guide, you know, I appreciate it. You know, people put a lot of work into these things. First off, his editor should be fired, right? They should have t- tried. They should have changed the title to 11 words. And uh, I take full oh, responsibility no. to that for that. Don't worry. This is not the uh, only phrase that he uses. Should be 10 phrases. <laughs> so, oh, well, I, I'll fall on the sword on that one. Uh, yeah, Ultimate Guide, that's one that came around a few years ago. We've certainly used it. Uh, it's, you know, from a content creator's perspective, it's I'm trying to tell you that this is a, you know, soups to bones, top to bottom sort of guide. And how can it sound great? But just like everything, uh, some, I don't know who came up with it. I mean, clearly I didn't come up with it. But it's when something sounds good, then everybody globs onto it. And that's not just a problem in this hobby. That's a problem everywhere. <laughs> How about what, what's your next one? I, we don't have to go through all 10, but he has shenanigans on there. I mean, I, sometimes I wonder where he's like, what triggers him and doesn't. But I guess the word shenanigans used in the hobby. I, f- is, I freaking is love that word. I love that <laughs> word. <laughs> Me too. It's so fun to say and write. It's fun to say. It's fun to write. You know, I love shenanigans and like, really, we, I think, I I think that kind of goes along with the free thing. It it feels good to feel like you're engaging in shenanigans, even if what you're doing is like super straightforward and not rocket science. And you're just earning like extra cash, like picking the right card. Like you just like to call it shenanigans because it makes you feel smarter and it gives you like a positive endorphin rush from whatever deal you think you're getting. I just did that with air quotes no one can see this because it's an audio platform. Yeah, all your shenanigans get you free stuff. Tons of quotes, you know, right there. Opportunity cost is another one we have. And I'm glad that this one is in the lexicon of the Miles and Points hobby because it didn't used to be. And this goes back to the free thing. Everybody was, this is free, that is free. Nobody talked about their time. I remember back in like 2014 when I was saying that I wanted to get $100 an hour for my time in Walmart back when I was using the, the Kate machine and liquidating gift cards there. And I, you know, basically clocked that. I looked at how much time I spent and how much I was getting back in points and what the value was. And sometimes I got back a little less. Oftentimes I got back more, but it just meant that my time there, which I did not enjoy very much inside Walmart, was worth it to me. And I wasn't, I could use that time for something else. And over the years, it's become more and more common. And a lot of people talk about it now. And that's a good thing because none of this is free. And I think a lot of people out there, as you get deeper into this hobby, it takes more time. And that's the case with any sort of hobby but, you know, there are sacrifices you're making. Sometimes people, you know, they fly mileage runs. We talked about how I flew to Paraguay a decade ago or whatever it was for American status. There's a huge opportunity cost of spending two days of your life on an airplane just to earn elite status. Maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's not. But you have to have that conversation with yourself and at least make sure that it's not, you know, a waste of time. And sometimes in this hobby, it can be easy to waste your time. 
Yeah, we've said it a million times at this point, but like at our life stages, time is more important than ultimate value. So you have to factor in the time opportunity cost as well. Speaking of people like debating on the merits of words, like people used to debate opportunity costs all the time, like what exactly the opportunity cost was and what that meant exactly. I'm glad that the concept is still there, but we don't spend endless time debating about that anymore. I didn't, I didn't love that. You know, you just kind of got to know that if you're going to get something, when you're getting something, you're giving up something else and you got to know for yourself which, which one is more worth more to you. Yeah. And in the hobby, the one thing that frustrates me that still hasn't become mainstream and we've been trying to do it is when you're using points for travel, you're spending money, especially if they're convertible points, right? That have real cash value. If you're staying at a Hyatt and you could have cashed out those ultimate rewards points for 1.25 cents, then you're spending that amount of money or even one and a half cents, depending on, you know, the deals over the years and stuff. So you can't just blindly say, oh, well, this was free. No, it costs you actual money that you could have had in your account. And that's why I think we should talk more about cashing out points and, you know, the value of that for people. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't. And I travel a lot. I just got done traveling for most of the last year and a half. And I spent a lot of points and those could have been money in the bank. So that's an honest conversation. But it's one that we still don't have in the miles and points base. So as much as we talk about opportunity costs, there are huge bloggers out there who view their travel stashes, their points as having no cash value, even though they have a direct cash value. Thank you points, membership rewards points, Capital One miles. Uh, they all have a direct cash value. Some of them are better. Some of them are worse. But that is what you should say it costs you to stay in a hotel if you're redeeming, you know, 8,000 ultimate rewards points. Uh, I see that as $120 in most cases. And, you know, generally that's a good thing. But also on the flip side of that, I'm willing to do that because at some point you can't just purely look at it as cash and then say, well, I'm not going to do anything. This is miles to memories. Life is about experience too, right? And, you know, you're doing, you're earning the points with a strategy to redeem them, but also be aware of that. Are you earning too many points? And then should you cash out those points? Or are you spending too much time earning too many points? And should you earn less points because you have enough Sometimes those conversations are a little bit harder to have, too, with yourself. Yeah, totally agree. Anyway, great article by Benji. A lot of fun. A lot of fun to poke fun of him a little bit. But, you know, we all have our pet peeves. Um, Benji just writes the best articles about his. And, I, and I, like I said, I think this is his sly way of always getting back at me when he writes these articles. Like Amazing, I truly believe, is about me in some way or the other. No, He'll deny no, no, it, but... No, he's got to write. He's, he should have titled the article "Ultimate Guide to Annoying Miles and Points Jargon." That would have been Chef's Kiss. Absolutely. In the comments, somebody said the eleventh word is the hobby, which I can see that being annoying to some people. I use it a lot now. I don't think it was used as much. People used to say Miles and Points hobby, but now it's just the hobby. But I think it's just an easy way to sort of group all of our shenanigans that we do to get nice. free stuff. Nice. While ignoring the opportunity cost of everything. So I'm, I'm nice. good with the hobby. Nice. Oh, I thought of mine, by the way. P2. I hate that. Okay? I That's do your husband, your wife, or your partner, or your kids, if you're lucky enough for P3. It's just like, come on. It's the same. For me, it's like, it's the same number of syllables. Okay? With wife, it's less. Wife is less syllables than P2, you know? So move it along. I know, I know people type most things, but you, know, you got to be a fast typer like this. And then it doesn't matter. That reminds me back in message boards days, and it's still there, the DH for like dear husband or dear DD, dear daughter, oh DS, gosh, dear son. Oh, 
hated it. Yeah. I still hate I like, it. Oh, it drives me nuts. I was like, what's that stand for? Dumb husband? Like, I really thought that. I really thought it stood for dumb husband for like the longest time. And I was like, wow, these people are calling their kids dumb? That's weird. So, yeah. I remember the first time I saw it, and this is a long time ago in message boards days. And I'm sure it's some sweet old grandma that came up with it the first time and it just stuck. But I would see it all the time. I had to Google it. What the heck does DH mean or DD or whatever it is? But it, it, it just, when I see the word, the letter, when I see the letters, I hear the words in my head and I'm like, that is just the most ridiculous thing, dear husband. But uh, it's part of the internet lexicon, like the hobby and stuff. A lot of good stuff in that article, a lot of good reasoning. Benji being a little cranky, but I thought it was enjoying, I thought it was an enjoying way, I thought it was an enjoying way to look at the hobby as we see it today. And with that, that's going to close out our show. Joe, where can people find you when they're not listening to this fine podcast? You can find me at As a Joe Flies all over social media. If you're looking to book a trip, Joseph Chung at travelmation.net. What about you, Sean? At Miles to Memories all over social media. We do have a few slots in the Diamond Patreon, patreon.com forward slash miles to memories. Not to be confused with the MTM Vegas Patreon, which we're doing as well. If you want more Vegas content, patreon.com forward slash MTM Vegas. That's just specifically the MTM Vegas after show with me and Mark. So if you're into Vegas and want more of that sort of content, it's like a mini podcast that we do every week now in audio and video form, only for those patrons uh, on the Vegas side. But at Miles to Memories all over social media, milestomemories.com for everything that we do. We have links there if you want to apply for cards that have the best public offer and support us. We love that. We always post links to the best offer, whether it's an affiliate link or a non-affiliate link, like in the case of the Blue Business Plus. So we're always trying to get you guys the best deals and we appreciate the support when you're applying. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you guys next time. See ya. See ya.